worshiping. It sounds like we're maybe having some, some technical difficulties. So we're going to go ahead and start Ever Be. Hopefully you knew that's the song we were singing. But we're going to start Ever Be again, and, and let's just continue in worship together this morning.
Let's pray together this morning. Father God, as we come together this morning, just desiring to worship you in spirit and truth, God, with our whole heart, aside from what the internet may do or may not do, Father, we know that you're with us. We know that you hear our praises. You're not a God that doesn't care, but you're a God that, that listens and intervenes in our lives. And Father, we thank you for that this morning. I just ask that you, you bless Pastor this morning as he speaks, that you would give him truth to speak, Lord, that your spirit would move, that those words would not fall on dead hearts, but on living hearts, God, active and, and seeking and desiring to know you more. And Father, help us to learn a little bit more um, the place of mourning in our lives, that you say those who mourn um, will have comfort, Lord, they will be blessed. And I just ask that you would make that truth real in our lives this morning. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Pastor Tom, one of the staff pastors here, and we are so glad you're with us this morning, worshiping with us, celebrating with us. We have a few awesome announcements to share with you. First of all, families with elementary school children, we have Amplify on Wednesday night, so tune in, 6.30 to Facebook Live, and uh, have a great night of ministry with our kids, Wednesday night. And then another announcement we have is that you all enjoyed the drive-in church so much that you asked for it again, and so we're going to do it again. We are having a drive-in church, or as I saw one of the kids called it, car church. We're doing that next week for Mother's Day, so drive on out either on Saturday night at 6 o'clock or come out on Sunday morning at 10.30, be with us again, and we'll have another great day of worship together on Mother's Day and some special gifts, some special things we'll be doing to celebrate our mothers. So those are the announcements. At this time, we also want to celebrate what the Lord is doing in us and through us, and so we have some great things He's doing through missions outreach during this coronavirus pandemic. You know, as we all know, this is affecting the whole world. And so I want to go, first of all, sharing a little bit about what some of our missions outreach and our partnership is doing around the world. First of all, for example, we've been able to do support some ministry over in India with our partners, and we've been able to help provide food for people who literally work and live one day at a time. And so we've been able to provide some food to sustain them during this time. We've been able to help provide for pastors who have various needs as they minister both to their own flock, as they do outreach. We've been able to help provide daily necessities for women who have come off of the streets, who have been survivors of trafficking. We've been able to help with formula for orphan babies and groceries for elementary school families, all these things because of the awesome way that New Hope Church uh, goes to the ends of the earth. Also down in Honduras, through our partners Austin and Allie Hudson, we've been able to distribute food packets and encouragement to 25 families there. And then in the greater Des Moines area, we partner with Single Parent Provision We've been able to help provide several $25 gift cards for various families, and that's just a great encouragement to them. Here in Adel, we have our monthly mobile food pantry, and a number of you have been involved in that, and that's been a great encouragement. And then some of you have been involved in the Samaritan food pantries. So we just celebrate with you, New Hope, for the awesome way that we go together and we partner together. 
At this time, it's the opportunity we have to be able to give, so either pull out your phone or write your check and uh, continue to worship through giving at this time. Let's pray as we con continue our morning worship. Lord God, thank you that we are the body of Christ and you call us to utilize the gifts that you first give to us. Thank you for the opportunities we have to do this and to be able to see and observe your work both around the world, in Asia, in South America, and here in Des Moines and Adel. And Lord God, we give because we give to you and we celebrate what you're doing. And we just pray for the con continued ministry and Holy Spirit work through us, we pray. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so can you hear me now? Go ahead and chat in to somebody to say if you can hear me. This has been quite the morning here of tech stuff. So did I mention I really miss drive-in church? Because we weren't dealing with this stuff here and just having, having all these tech issues, but such is the way it goes. Um, anyhow, so what I was just sharing was thanks for being here with us this morning. So glad uh, that you're here. And I hope you did get a chance to hear Pastor Tom, who was just up here sharing some exciting things going on in the life of the church. And that's been uh, just uh, fan fantastic just to celebrate what God is doing through you, through his church and ministering to people uh, all around the world. So as I was saying, drive-in church was just a fantastic time last weekend. So good. We're doing it again, as Pastor Tom just mentioned, next weekend. Some special surprises because it's also Mother's Day weekend. So I just encourage you, mark your calendars for Saturday, 6 p.m., Sunday, 1030. If you prefer online or you don't live in the local Adel area, we'll still be online at the normal 9 o'clock uh, time as well. So exciting things going on here in the life of the church. But, but here this morning, you may be, though, wondering, well, then what? What happens after that? What happens uh, after, uh, after drive-in church next weekend? You may have heard, at least here for the state of Iowa, Governor Reynolds this past week lifted all restrictions on churches for gathering. And you may even know somebody, have a friend who's a, who, who's a part of a church somewhere in Iowa, and this morning they're back together again. They, they're all gathering just like they did before the coronavirus hit. And I think it's natural to wonder, so, so how about us and what is our next step? And I think I, I want to share with you, for us as New Hope Church, we want to make sure that we are doing things the right way. And just because we can do something doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it, at least should do it right away. And so we are crafting and really finalizing our reopen strategy because 
again, we all miss being together, don't we? I, I am front of the line there. I cannot wait till we're all gathered under one roof. But we want to make sure we do it in the right way. We're thinking about safety and we're thinking about our kids and our volunteers and how we can do church well during this time of transition. So that's something to be looking for. I'll be back on Facebook on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I'm going to share with you uh, the reopen strategy from our staff and our elder team and what that's going to look like so you can know what to expect and how to plan and anticipate the really exciting things that are coming up in the weeks ahead. So, hey, if you would, please grab your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 5 this morning. Now, as you're turning there, remember, we're in a sermon series called He is Greater Than Me. And what we're looking at is how do, how do you and I, how do we live a God-focused life in a me-centered, me-focused, me-saturated world? And so how we're doing this and what we're doing is we're looking at Jesus' teaching, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7. It was a time when Jesus gathered his disciples and went up on a mountainside, and there he, he taught them. He taught them how to live as a follower of him, a follower of Jesus. He really highlighted that as a follower of Jesus, the values that you and I are to live out, what we call kingdom values, are so different than the values of this world. They're, they're really almost, almost upside-down approaches to how to live life. And last week, you probably caught that as we began in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, as we looked at what we we're calling the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and they are attitudes. It's a good way to remember it. They're attitudes that Jesus wants us to adopt into our lives day by day as we strive to live those out. Now, last week we looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the first beatitude, which says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as you remember, we, we talked about this idea of, of the person that comes to the end of themselves, the person who recognizes what's always true, that we need Christ, that we need a relationship with him, that in our daily lives we need to walk with him, that without him we are bankrupt in spirit that we recognize at that point that he truly becomes greater than me. That was last week. This week we're going to take on our next beatitude. And so again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Now remember, each beatitude begins with this word, blessed. And blessed, what that means is, it's not just circumstantial happy. It means a deep fulfillment happy. It means a sense of contentment that only comes from him. And so that's what that word blessed is. But you know, and, and I know, that we use that word in lots of different ways, don't we? For example, we say, blessed are, and how would you fill in the blanks? Maybe blessed are the wealthy. Blessed are the successful. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the ones who get the job. Blessed are the ones whose, whose dreams come true and that we often envy. That's typically how we assign this blessing title is those kinds of categories. But again, what we're seeing here is in God's economy, it's all different. It's all countercultural. It's all upside down. His ways are so different than the ways that we're accustomed to. So let's go ahead and read together our, our primary verse for this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Here's what Jesus said. He said, blessed, there's our word again, fulfilled, happy. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That may sound a little strange. Essentially, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, happy are the sad. 
But, but nobody ever says that. No, nobody ever says like, woohoo, you know, grieving rocks, like sign me up. I'm so excited about that. Like we don't, we don't do that at all. We, we rather feel quite the opposite about grieving, don't we? But we also know that we all experience it. That, that you cannot get through this life without experiencing grief and mourning. That, that, that when Jesus spoke those words, spoke that beatitude to his audience up on that mountainside, those people on that mountainside, they knew exactly what grief was like. They'd been there. You've been there. And I've been there. And look, there's no such thing as a three-point sermon on how to avoid suffering and how to avoid grief. This is something that all of us experience. It's, it's really a part of what it looks like and means to even be human. This is something that we all know. Now, I want to be clear about something here because for Jesus, the, the, the idea of mourning here is not dealing with and talking about inconveniences. You know, like how like maybe you set your alarm for p.m. instead of a.m.? Like, that's inconvenient. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here, and that word mourning is the strongest word that he could possibly use uh, to articulate this, this deep, uh, consuming mourning and grief that a person can feel. Th this is something that, that is, again, it is heavy, it is painful, it is those kinds of seasons where we go through that, that significant kind of struggle. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are those who mourn. So here's, here's the big idea then. What Jesus is saying here is, blessed are the people who are drowning in tears. That's really what he's saying. Blessed are the people who are drowning in tears. And you may say, well, why is that the case? Here's why. The reason being is because they, those people, are the candidates to experience God's comfort. In fact, if you have your bulletin and they're on the website and, and maybe you downloaded it and you're ready to go, here's your first fill in the blank this morning. It's this idea that there is blessing to be found only when we shed some tears. Did you catch that? There's blessing to be found only when we shed some tears. See, this is, this is God's way. This is his kingdom. This is his approach to life. See, what happens is suffering makes room in us to experience God in a new way. Uh, suffering and mourning, what, what that does is it, it creates in us often a new fervency to seek after him. That can happen for us. Simply put, without suffering, you and I, cannot experience in a meaningful way the comfort of God. And so Jesus takes this head on, and, and, and in the Bible it talks about mourning in two different ways. And I just want to share with you this morning as we, as we kind of explore and unpack this idea of blessed are those who mourn, I want to share with you maybe a bigger picture of what the Bible says about suffering, what it says about grief and mourning. Because in the Bible you see two different categories, two different places where we as people we, we do grieve, and I would even say that we're supposed to grieve. And so I want to share these two with you. And again, if you have a bulletin, you can follow along in this way. And maybe this morning, I just want to mention this too, maybe this morning you have with you your devotional guide as well. The devotional guide is a fantastic tool that we handed out last weekend. Many of you downloaded on the website. And so if you haven't, you can also go to the website and download this. This, this guide is really designed to help you not only on Sunday mornings track along with us, but also during the week to get you in the Word and to continue to study and learn these Beatitudes. So here's your first uh, now area where a type of mourning that we experience. Here it is. It's this idea that mourning is sometimes, the type of mourning we experience is connected to our circumstances. Mourning that's connected to our circumstances. Now, 
every single one of us, you know what this is like and I know what this is like. This is a situation where life happens. And something comes your way and you didn't sign up for it, you didn't want it, you didn't expect it, but there it is. It falls in your lap. It's something like, like when you lose a job. It's, it's something like when an injury happens that really changes the trajectory of your life. It's something like coronavirus, isn't it? That six, eight weeks ago, we were going about our lives, and most of us didn't even think too much about this. But it's completely altered our circumstances. And there's some mourning with that. There's some grief that accompanies that kind of a thing. And so these are the types of situations that we can go through sometimes. And the Bible talks about this. And I think when we talk about circumstances that are difficult and tough, the person that often comes to mind is the character of the Old Testament, Job. I mean, Job is almost this proverbial famous example of when something can go wrong, well, look at the life of Job. Everything went wrong in his life. Job was a character that, in many respects, is somebody that we would have called blessed. Because, see, when the story of Job begins, Job was a person who everything was going right for him. You would look at his life and you would, you would see that he was, he was healthy and he was very wealthy. That he had, he had a big house and kids and he was married. That he, 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 he was a righteous man. Uh, the Bible gets more specifically that he and his wife had seven sons and three daughters. That they had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, uh, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, lots of servants working for him. Again, we would look at his life and we say, wow, Job is a blessed man. And then it was all taken away from him. That the circumstances of Job's life completely altered and everything was lost. As you, as you read the book of Job, in, in the first chapter, you'll see that, that Job, he, he lost his, his wealth and his business. The, the, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels, all of them were gone. They were taken away. He lost his, what we might call, employees, his servants, most of which were gone, dead. And then the hardest of all, his kids, his ten kids in a freak accident, he loses them all. I mean, that's horrendous. And that's just chapter one. Go then to chapter two, and, and it hits more personal with his health. And Job loses his health there. He, he lost everything, circumstantially, that everything in his life, fell apart, and Job goes into this deep season of mourning, of, of, of grief. And for the next 40 chapters of the book of, of Job, it's this exploration of the question, why did this happen? Why did God allow this kind of situation to take place? But to, but to Job's friend's surprise, to Job's wife's surprise, to Satan's surprise, who is behind there pulling levers in this whole situation, Job never walked away from God. He, he never turned his back on God. And what ended up happening was through all this situation, Job experienced God in a more significant way. I want to read with you his closing words, just one verse, what he said at the end of this entire season of deep mourning that he went through. Job chapter 42, verse 5. He says this, he said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Essentially, what he's saying is, God, I, I, I knew about you. I knew of you. I even believed in you. But I didn't really know you. And it wasn't until I experienced this season of loss, that circumstantially where everything was ripped away, that I actually began for the first time to get to know you. You, God. 
I mean, a beautiful confession here of Job and how God used suffering to help him. But I, I don't know about you. I'll just speak for my own life. We spend so much energy, don't we, trying to avoid suffering. We spend so much energy doing everything we can to get out of it. But, but when it comes, not if, but when it comes, th- then we, we struggle through how do we deal with this and how do we handle it. Sometimes we, we work to escape it. How do I get out of this? Sometimes we work to, if that doesn't work, to, to numb ourselves in the middle of it. And so we take on whatever we can to get us distracted from what we're facing. So we go shopping. We, we numb out to entertainment, maybe drinking, maybe, maybe drugs, maybe, maybe uh, work. Sometimes we can just hide ourselves into work, and that keeps us from having to deal with the stuff that we're going through. But either way, we try to get out of it. And I get it. I really do. I, I get trying to avoid suffering. But I, I hope what you're beginning to see here is that Jesus says, look, suffering is not easy. But there's another way to look at it. There's another way to approach those seasons of life that are marked by grieving and by mourning. That There's something else that God wants to do in our lives during this time. In other words, blessing can come out of these seasons of difficulty. Now, how would that work? Let me share with you a verse then from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that speaks to this. And it really ties into our beatitude this morning. Paul wrote this, wrote this and this is what he said. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I love that. Speaking to God's character, the God of the Father of, of compassion and comfort. Verse 4. Who does this? Who who comforts us in all of our troubles? Why? Here's the next part. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Did you catch that? A, A beautiful promise here that God says, look, when you're going through something, as we will allow him, he wants to come in and show himself as the God of compassion and the God of comfort. And he wants to extend comfort to you. He wants to comfort you through the stuff that you're going through, the circumstances that you're facing. He wants to help you with that. But here's the cool part. It doesn't just end with you, does it? It doesn't just end with me. Because, see, the comfort that we receive from God, we then can take that and we can take that same compassion, that same comfort, and extend it to someone else. You know what this means? This means that grieving broadens your ministry base. This means that grieving, the stuff that you go through, actually opens up a whole new world of opportunity where God can use your life to make an eternal impact in the life of someone else. Because the suffering that you go through gives you a chance to come alongside someone and recognize what they're going through and to say something like this, I get it. I've been there. Can I share with you what God taught me as I was in a place where you're at today? Those are words of blessing. Those are words of encouragement. And as you do that, you're blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And in that comfort, you get to extend to someone else. Because the mourning attached to circumstances, it knocks on every single one of our doors. Some of you are going through it right now. This is daily life stuff. 
And it's about leaning into God and say, God, help me and walk with me through this. And then also opening our eyes so that we look for opportunities to extend that blessing, that compassion, and that comfort to others. So that's our first area of mourning. We, we do mourn the circumstances of life, but there's another one. And this one's going to be a little more challenging. I might step on a couple toes here. It's not intentional. It's out of love for you. But here it is. It's mourning that's connected to sin. Mourning that's connected to sin. See, the Bible talks about it, gives examples of mourning connected to our circumstances, but there's, there's also in the Bible lots of examples of mourning that's connected to our sin, the sin in our lives, also the sin that we see outside of us, in our, in our community, in our nation. That stuff should bother us. There should be a, a grieving with that. Now, this one's interesting because oftentimes our sin also messes up our circumstances. And so in some ways, this one is even bigger than the first example of mourning connected to circumstances. Sin is a big deal, and sin is treated like a big deal in the Bible. So let me say it this way, and I hope you're all sitting down for this, but l- let me say it this way. If you sin and you're not bothered by your sin, if you, are, if you think sin is funny and you're entertained by sin, if you view and see sin in our community or in our nation, and it doesn't tick you off, then spiritually something's off. You catch that? That, that sin in your own life, if you, if you sin and there's not a check there, this doesn't bother you, if you're entertained by sin, or if you see it around you and it doesn't bother you, something is spiritually off. Because sin is a big deal. We are supposed to be bothered. We're even supposed to mourn and grieve our sin and the sins of others. It should bother us. It should be something that is really hard for us to endure and to see. But sometimes we get too comfortable with it. I want to share with you another example from the Old Testament. I think who does a great job of articulating this. I want to take us back to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. We're not going to read any verses there, but you can read it, the full account on your own. But I want to share with you and remind us of the story of King David. And King David specifically with Bathsheba. And many of you remember this story. It's a story about a king who was, who was bored one day and was on the roof of his palace and looks down and sees a woman bathing and is caught up in that moment and calls for her and sleeps with her. And she's a married woman. And, and then to, to, to cover his adultery, he then has her husband murdered. This is King David. This is David who wrote a lot of the Psalms. This is David who's a man after God's heart. This is David who in many ways is looked up to as a hero in the Bible. This is where he's at. Adultery and murder and making these kinds of, of, of decisions, this, this sin, and thinking that nobody else knew about it except Bathsheba, he tucked it away, and he went about his life as if everything was okay. But the thing about it is that everything was not okay. David pretended nothing happened. David uh, put on airs as if nothing happened. The way David lived was that everything was good. But God began to use circumstances, a guy named Nathan, to pry out the truth. And when it happened, David just unloads with this grieving and mourning for the sin that he'd been carrying around for quite some time. See, you and I, we can find ourselves in the same thing, the same place where we, we tuck stuff away. 
the sin that we're ashamed of, the stuff that we don't want to deal with, and I certainly don't want to confess, we can shove it away too, put on the happy face and go about life. But it begins to eat at us. Interestingly enough, David gives us some insight on what that time was like between his affair and his confession. It was quite some time. He, he actually, he wrote a song about it where, where he, he, it's Psalm 32, where he almost really, in a sense, opens up for us his personal diary of what it was like for him to go through those months of that sin eating away at him inside and yet not wanting to come public with it. And the psalm there is, is just a powerful thing. On the outside, I'm sure he looked, he looked happy. I'm sure on the outside, he looked like he had it all together. But as we're going to see here as we read this, this psalm here, he didn't. Because at the soul level, David was not okay. Well, let's look at his words. Again, these are his words. This is his confession about his affair with Bathsheba. Psalm 32, verse 1. He said this, blessed... Again, that means happy. Same, same word. Blessed is the ones whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And here in these first two verses, David really gives the lesson. Notice two times he says blessed, happy. Fulfilled happy is the person who is not bogged down by their sin. The person who is free from that. That's what he's getting at. And, and, and really, again, just to remind us, sin is a big deal. We, we, don't, we don't often like that word. We don't talk about that word too often. We do it New Hope, but not in our daily lives. In fact, interestingly enough, the Oxford Junior Dictionary recently took sin out of the Bible. Actually, out of the Bible, out of the dictionary. They completely just removed the word. And so sometimes, I think when it comes to sin, we think of more like uh, words like mistake or oopsie, no big deal. But for the Bible, sin's a really big deal because it highlights our problem. Sin highlights the issue that plagues us all. Do you know the New Testament, for example, has 33 different words to describe sin? And that's a lot. See, if we don't understand our sin, if we don't agree with that, if we don't come to embrace that reality of something that we deal with in our daily lives, then the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, his love, don't have as much meaning. And so sin becomes this really big deal. And David says, blessed is the person who is not held down by their sins. And then look what he says here at verse 3. He's talking about his personal experience now. He's going to take us into his personal diary. He says, when I kept silent, again, when I didn't confess, he's talking about his sin. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In other words, what he's saying here is, is all, that, all that sin I stuffed away and hid, it took a toll physically. That, that stress began to just rip away physically at my inside. Verse 4, For day and night, your hand, speaking of God, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Again, guilt weighing him down. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And I love this. Here's how God responded. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. There it is. David going about his life and, and just stuffing it all in, 
but finally it gets to the point where it just, it can't do it anymore, and it just all comes out, and as it does, the biggest fear that we have so often, that sin leaks, it'll come out eventually, and, and it all comes out, and then to have that confession to say, I just confess to God, and God forgave the guilt of my sin. See, denial of sin seems like a good idea at the moment, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not. It destroyed David, and it will destroy you and I. There is blessing in mourning our sin. There truly, truly is. So, so what do we do with this? Well, maybe this morning, maybe this morning you can relate that you're in a season of mourning your sin. Uh, maybe for you, you're in a season of mourning circumstances. I know there's people watching this morning, you've lost a job. Uh, I know that there's some of you uh, this morning, all of us, in fact, that you've lost freedoms. That, that the, the course of life that you lived even six, eight weeks ago, it's just so dramatically different now, and it's challenging, and it's, it's really hard. How about, and I just want to take, speak a moment to speak to you who are high school seniors here at ABM locally, but even anywhere else in the country, you, you've lost. Circumstances have been such that when you left on spring break, you didn't know that was goodbye, and, and the end of your senior year is dramatically different. That's mourning of circumstances, and that's real. And that's something we should do. We should call it what it is. And we should, we should acknowledge what we feel. We should acknowledge all that we're going through. And then we, well, here's what we do. We bring it to God. And we say, God, in the midst of this, will you provide, the promise you give now, will you provide comfort? And will you walk with me, walk with us through this? And here's the beautiful thing. And First Thessalonians talks about this. As we do this, then we don't mourn like the world. We don't mourn as those who have no hope. We mourn filled with hope, knowing who holds our hand, and we know how the story ends, that our mourning is one centered on the person of, of, of Jesus Christ, who is the God of all compassion and comfort. And, and so in a moment here, we're, we're going we're gonna to pray, but I, I just also want to encourage you with, with this. God's ways are mysterious. And, and God's ways are unexpected. God is not our cosmic vending machine that, that we come before him and that, you know, we, sometimes we have these expectations that he'll work in a certain way. But walk with God any amount of time and you learn that God's ways are not like our ways. And that as you come before God and you bring the things that you're going through to him, acknowledge that he may surprise you in when he provides comfort and he may surprise you in how. He comforts you. He may also surprise you in how he uses your life as you receive comfort to then comfort other people. So I want to encourage you this morning. Allow God to surprise you with how much he loves you. Even this morning, if you're in a place this morning where you feel like God is not there, let him show you how much he loves you. Maybe this morning you're in a place where you just feel like you wondered if God even cares or is paying attention. Let him show you and surprise you with how much he loves you. Maybe this morning for you it's a place where the weight is just too much. And I can't go through this on my own. And that's the truth. You can't, but with him you can. Let him surprise you with how much he loves you. Don't walk through it alone. Invite him to join you 
invite him to walk with you through the things of life that you're facing. And can I just mention one other thing? Don't walk alone also from other people who love you. Coming up on the screen right now is a slide, and it just talks about prayer, and, and there's a phone number for texting in a prayer request, and there's an email address and just a phone number and ways that, that you can communicate with us. We have a whole prayer team at, here at New Hope Church, and whether New Hope is your home church or maybe you're just, you're just at home and you're just checking out New Hope and, and uh, just needing some encouragement this morning, it does not matter. Let us have the privilege of walking with you. And so even right now, you can just text, email, or call in a prayer request, and we have a whole team that will join you and pray with you, not just today, but even throughout the week and weeks to come. We want to join you in the journey that you're going through. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's what I want to do as we, as we begin to close this morning. I just want to give you some space at home. And so wherever you're at this morning, if, if you're watching by yourself or you've got a whole family of people around a, a computer screen or a TV or whatever the case may be, just to give you a chance to get still before God. And maybe for you it's a time to come and to do some confessing. That this morning that there's been some things that you've been carrying around. It's a weight. And it's exhausting to carry, isn't it? And it's time to just put the weight down and to say, God, I want to come before you, and I want to confess this to you. Confess your sin. Be free from that. I want to give you time right now to do that. But maybe for you, it's also about circumstances. And it's about time of coming before God and say, God, this really hurt. And God, this is really scary. And God, this completely threw me off, and I don't feel like I have what it takes to go through this situation, this circumstance of life. God knows it, but he wants to hear it from us. And so it may, maybe it's sin, but maybe for you, it's about circumstances. And just coming before God and say, God, would you comfort me during this time? And so the, the band will be kind of playing or, or kind of warming up and getting ready to go. But, but just for you now, this is your time before God to enjoy him. God bless you as you spend time with him and go before him in confession and in a posture of asking your heavenly father who loves you so much to meet all your needs and provide the comfort you long for. Let's pray together. As we come back together to sing this morning, um, we're going to return and sing Waymaker again. I know a lot of people kind of missed it at the beginning, um, but it's also a really great transition from what Pastor Ryan is saying that, you know, as we talk about um, those things that we mourn, be it situations or be it sins, I think it's important to, to keep, at the very least, in the back of our mind that things that seem overwhelming to us or insurmountable to us are nothing to God. And that's a lot of what Waymaker is about. It's about God being the miracle worker who keeps his promises um, and, and can bring us out of that mourning um, in a way that glorifies him. So let's sing Waymaker again. Um, and then we've also got a great song to end with, too. So let's go back and sing Waymaker together.
stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 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 That is who 
So we're going to end today with Yes, I Will. and um, Similar theme, kind of a little bit different feel, though. Um, so as we sing this song, I just encourage you to, to give up those things that you mourn. Um, not in the sense of giving up, but give them up to God. Whether it's circumstances, whether it's sin, let him have those. And let him bless you, even in your mourning. Um, and in the end, God gets all the glory. And that's what this song is about. It's about just worshiping and praising God, even in um, the morning. So let's close in worship this morning. Joy when 
my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Um, I just hope that's an encouragement. Uh, for you this week, that even in your morning, uh, there is blessing, and God has that for you. Um, Just give those things up to him, be it your circumstances or your sin. Again, thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.